When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another week of Trashy Divorces. Welcome, friends. I'm Alicia. My name is Stacy. Thanks for joining us for another week of the Trashy Delight of Trashy Divorces. <laughs> this week, I'm having computer problems, so we've had to make a quick adjustment, which works out. We've been trying to put together a listener letter episode for some time now, and and so finally, like, w- there was a great opportunity to uh, share some listener stories. You were able to actually do the story you've been working on all week. <laughs> I have the trashy divorces of the unforgettable Audrey Hepburn, who is just an angel. And this just all an angel. this all ties into a lot of Breakfast at Tiffany's stuff that we're doing over on Patreon. So that is our book club mm-hmm. for the month. We've got two sessions this coming week, which all relates to all of the swans, Truman Capote swans that we've talked about in January that are going to continue on along with Truman, some other famous swans through February. It's so much fun, but that's not what we're here to talk about. Nope. I do have this shiny, shiny, glittery magic mirror. Oh, the magic mirror again. So many thanks to our new patrons this week who have found us over at patreon.com slash trashy divorces. Thank you so much for joining us to Doris M, Nikki C, Linnea B, Allison A, Rachel V, and Kristen S. And we have some new super supporters to thank, Joe P. and Rebecca P. We can't wait to see you at the monthly Sunday Salon, which is happening today, actually, as you're hearing this, even though we're recording Tomorrow as we record, yeah. Time. Mercury retrograde. It's all a mess. And this episode is brought to you by Care Of. We will have more on that in the middle. I think it's about time. You ready to go, go, go. Alicia, it's been a while since we've done a listener letter episode, but we've been wanting to do a listener letter. Clearly, it's Mercury retrograde and your computer is on the skids. Wow. We love listener letters. We really do. Um, And we we really, we've talked about doing this for months. We've solicited you guys for this for months and like it's, we're finally getting around to. So I'm channeling my inner Bob Ross and calling this a happy accident because wow, we've got some updates and Mm -hmm. some letters. Mm -hmm. Big congrats. Number one, to Jess W. and her fiancé. On your engagement. We're so excited for you being trashily engaged. Yes. We're rooting for you. Yes. When's the wedding? Are we invited? (laughs) You probably should. We have some questions. You probably should not invite the Trashy Divorces podcasters to your wedding. (laughs) Just a thought. You think it's good luck or bad luck? I don't know. I mean, we'd be happy to attend, assuming vaccinations, (laughs) but I'm not sure it's good luck. Okay. I loved this first listener letter. This is from uh, J.D., JD sent this directly to me and asked her mom about it. Had to go back and verify details because she's like, I was remembering this, but it just couldn't be this trashy. It's excellent. Sure enough, it was. Mm -hmm. So JD has a story to share. She has given us permission to share it on the podcast. We begin with my great aunt, who we will call Patty, was married to a man we'll call Dan. One day, Dan left for work got suspicious and decided to go back home and check on his wife. As one does, I guess. So Dan goes home and walks in on wife in bed with another man. Ooh. Well, the man who happened to be in the bed was the best friend of their 18-year-old son, who was probably about 18 or 19 years old. That's legal. (laughs) Patty was in her 30s. Yikes. So, of course... Patty and Dan divorce. Sure. But wait, it gets better. A few years later, Dan starts dating a younger woman. And they end up getting married and adopting twins. Okay. Who is the younger woman? Uh, It was the son's ex-girlfriend. Uh-huh. This poor kid. I guess he's an adult at this point, but this poor kid. Poor kid, right? But what happens to Patty? Right. 
Well, Patty and the son's best friend stayed together for 40 years. Holy sh- they had a daughter together, but never married. They stayed together until Patty died a few years ago. Now, the really funny thing is, growing up, we would have family reunions for that side of the family. And everyone, Patty and son's best friend and their daughter and Dan and his <laughs> ex-wife and the ex-girlfriend of his son and their twins and Patty and Dan's poor son oh would all come to the family reunion and we'd all act like everything was all cool. Everyone got along. It wasn't until I was a teenager that my mom told me about all this and I was like, <laughs> insert head exploding emoji here. What is the other reaction to have to all of that? I love that story. Patty and Dan. <laughs> this is everything we are here for. Thank kind you. Kind of. Kind of. What have you got? I have a fierce mama story. Oh, I love fierce mama that, stories. That is... That is, mwah. I am a Gen Xer, and this all took place while I was sixteen. Ooh, our, so you know it's going to be good. Our our listener writes: My stepfather had retired from the fire department and is one of those people who has to be doing something. So he got a job as an assistant manager at a movie theater in town. I hated the job I had at the time, so he hooked me up with a job at the theater. Loved it. Back then, going to movies was huge on the weekends. I got to see all the new movies the day before they were released. I could bring one person to get in free whenever I wanted. Oh, that's a cool benefit. I didn't know you could do that. I sold tickets, worked the concession stand, and learned how to put the reels of film into the projector. We got first pick of the posters that were hung around the theater and any cardboard stand-ups. People would pay lots of money for the most collectible ones. Friends were always on dates, and I might have sneaked a free popcorn to one or two of them. It was a cool job. Sounds like. The manager of the theater was a woman who was married to a police officer. On the weekends, a police officer would work at the theater to help keep an eye on everything in case it got too wild. And, of course, that cop invariably ended up being the husband of our manager. Like you do. I also, I worked for um, an AMC theater, actually, in, I don't know, when I was 20 or something. Back in the day. We also, there it was this parade of, like, cops moonlighting. This was when I first learned how lucrative it is to moonlight if you're a cop. Sure. <laughs> anyway, the manager liked to hire young, pretty teenagers. Boys and girls. She had a habit of calling the boys into her office, which had no windows and did have a lock on the door. And she would show them the Hustler magazine she kept in her desk that featured a full spread of herself. No. (sighs) Yes. Since I was a girl, I never got the invite to see the mag, but the guy I was dating that also worked there did. And boy, the stories he told me. Holy cow. Some of the guys were grossed out by her little surprise and some liked it very much. And the ones who liked it also got to enjoy other surprises with her in the office. Mm -mm. We were all under Mm -mm. age. Yeah, this is terrible. You're teenagers. Yes. (sighs) Hmm. Well, let's talk about the husband. Oh, God. Her police officer husband, I guess while the wife was busy in her locked office with the boys. Lots Lots of things to take care of to run a movie theater, Stacey. Like to hang around and talk to the girls, myself included, and compliment us on our beautiful bodies and tell us he had a hobby in photography. No, red flag. Mm. Red, red. Whoa. Whoa. Red flag. Biggest red flag. (laughs) Whoa. Okay. He would offer to take pictures of us for free. Oh, it gets worse. Oh, God. He told me my ass looked so good in my uniform pants and he wanted to photograph me so he could always remember the girl with the ass. I was disgusted and told him to fuck off. Yeah, you did. After that, he would always stand too close to me and whistle under his breath and whisper the nastiest things to me. This is terrible. 16 years old. Anyway. (sighs) Adults. Let's act like it. Okay. All right. Because he was a cop and his wife was our boss, some of the kids I worked with were intimidated and would not speak of these things outside of work. Not this bitch. I knew what they were doing was illegal as fuck and what monsters they were. I spoke to my mother and told her everything I knew. She was very quiet for a minute and then told me I did the right thing and that she would handle it. Oh, no. Flash forward to the next weekend. (laughs) Some big movie had just released. The theater was packed. Both the skeezy manager and her skeezy police husband were working with me at the concession stand. In the middle of taking an order, I heard yelling in the lobby. Oh, God. I looked over, and there was my mother, confronting skeezy manager about what she did with the boys at work, and laying it all out about what her husband tried to do with the girls. I was like, oh, shit, my mom is pissed the fuck off, rightfully so. 
I didn't hear everything that was flying back and forth between them, but I did hear the bitch smack of all bitch smacks as my mom's hand met skeezy manager's face. Just as she was trying to recover from the wrath of my mother, her husband came over all cop-like and mad. My mom looked at him, spit in his face, and broke his nose with her fist. The customers were... The customers were half stunned and half cheering. I was picking my jaw off the floor from the shock of what went down. Mama walked over to me and told me she loved me and would see me later at home. That seems like a lot of assumptions. I brought you a snack. Oh, God. The manager and her husband hid in her office for the rest of the evening. Not long after this confrontation... Someone called in an anonymous tip about the Popo hubby and his interest in photography, and a photo albums of naked pictures of teenage girls was found in the trunk of his police car. Oh my god. He was fired and arrested and served time in prison. Little Hustler manager was fired from her job because someone had reported what she did with the boys in her office. I don't know if she was charged with anything. They divorced soon after while her hubby was in jail. My mama has only spoken to me once about this when I asked her if she had anything to do with what happened to them. She just smiled and said, I told you I would take care of it. That's all I've ever gotten her to say on the subject. I, of course, found another job. Good on you. I like to say I'm proud of my mama. She stood up for all of us at that theater and showed me (laughs) never to piss her off. She has a mean right hook. So that is my trashy divorce story about two people who got what was coming to them and a mother who would fight fiercely for children who were being targeted and abused. Perfect. Love that story. That's a great story. Don't mess with mama. Most Mama said knock you out. Right. The <laughs> most interesting thing that ever happened when I worked at a theater was that Jimmy Carter came in one time. Really? Oh, yeah. That's fascinating. Oh, and he will shake Carter. hands for oh, a million yeah. years. Yeah. Okay. Well, that is uh, that's mine. I know we have another one. We do have another one. Sharon has sent in something about her Aunt Lorraine. Who is not a quiche. Who is not a quiche. But Aunt Lorraine, I'd like you to know, has been married for 33 years. She's 53. She was with her husband, Nick, since junior high. Wow. This is not going to go well, is it? They went to prom together. He is a higher up in the fire department of a major city and is looking to retire early. So he comes into Aunt Keisha Lorraine in June. I'm just kidding. And tells her he can't be married anymore because he's just not mm. happy. Hmm. Everyone thought it was due to the stress from protests and the pandemic, right? Which, this yeah. summer. He spent the last four years Uh-oh. getting into better shape. Oh, no. And having minor cosmetic surgery. Did he know? That he said would help him perform his job better. Whatever that means, because who needs liposuction for job performance? Maybe he got a boob job and is branching out. Aunt Lorraine Mm -hmm. is left confused because she never saw it coming. None of us did. They have four adult kids, some with special needs, who need constant assistance and medical care. Lorraine gives up a few years into her career to stay home with the kids for the last 30 years. Nick refused to go to counseling. And has been sending the other kids systematically into the home to gather his belongings. Nick, grow up. Okay. Nick won't say who he's staying with. He says, just a friend. Just a friend, is it? Say she's just a friend. People often just move in with a friend after walking out on their marriage. (laughs) So Sharon poses the question to us at Trashy Divorces headquarters. Am I the only one that thinks the friend is another woman no no no, you're not no no you're not unless the friend is another man but in either case it's the friend is bumping uglies with uncle yeah no you're no everyone right now sharon (laughs) agrees that the friend is not just a friend Mm. oh snap guess what i saw okay sorry i do really like that song uh needless to say the news has floored the family Uh in general uh but sharon really did feel like her fellow trash pandas would appreciate the story and she will we, keep we do us posted <laughs> as things unfold oh sharon, sharon thank you thank you please tell your aunt lorraine that uh, we are thinking of her and those kids um and also please tell your aunt lorraine to find a shark of a lawyer pins up take nick to the cleaners yeah 
You would bet his pension or retirement account is a hefty marital asset. Yeah, he was a he worked for the state or the city or whatever for yeah. a career. Yeah. Uh-huh. Go get you some, Lorraine. <laughs> My word. Y'all, right. we love your listener letters. We love your listener we letters. We love the trashy stories of you and, <laughs> and the people and, you know. And the wacky story. Like, we, we get a cross-section of things. Some appropriate for the show, some not, but... We really do. We'd love you to send your trashy divorces stories in. Two ways to do this. You can send them to trashydivorces at gmail.com. Just write them up. Mm-hmm. Please change names. Please change your name. Tell us what name you want me to... Uh, we we want to make sure that... Yeah, it's as anonymous as you want it to be. That's exactly right. If you're like, screw anonymity, you can call and leave us a message. You can call the Trashy Divorces headquarters at... Our unmonitored voicemail box. It is an unmonitored voicemail yeah. box, but we do get the messages. Mm-hmm. So if you want to hear your voice telling your 60 seconds of trash, you can call... 404 594 Three six five eight. I have no idea if long distance charges apply or any of that stuff. But I don't, but we have a voicemail box. Right. If you'd rather just talk it out, knowing that you may perhaps be on a future Trashy Divorces episode on our next listener letters. All right. Thank you for your patience as my computer is addressed. Thanks for letting us make a little accommodation today. We hope y'all like that. And thank you to everyone who sent in stories. These were really good stories. This was super fun. Enjoyed them. Gonna take a quick break, Mm -hmm. hear from our sponsors this week, and we're gonna come back with the unforgettable Audrey Hepburn and her tale of trashy divorces. Fantastic. Hey, trash pandas. When you need a brain break from your day, let me recommend the game June's Journey for Android and iPhone. It's a hidden object mystery game where you are solving a murder, uncovering family secrets, and I don't know, exposing official corruption? All in an extremely stylish 1920s setting. Every scene takes you deeper into the mystery and introduces you to an expansive cast of characters as June Parker explores the questions surrounding her sister's apparent murder-suicide at the family's beachfront estate. Add your own elements to the island from lush gardens to gorgeous new buildings. This story has so many twists and turns, Right now, we are on a global journey attempting to rescue June's niece, Virginia. It's a great combo of gameplay. It's a memory puzzle, a design project, an intriguing storyline with genuinely fabulous art. When you want to let your mind wander, relax into this glorious 1920s murder mystery and get lost in the fun. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Alicia, so I understand your computer didn't break this week. No, my computer broke in the last Mercury Retrograde back in October with the Scottish Play Curse. A little too on the nose with the tech troubles and Mercury Retrogrades lately. You think I'm full of nonsense, but this week I have the lovely, stylish, full of grace Audrey Hepburn immortalized in film. Between her international and American films, less than two dozen. Interesting. Like, you think of her as so much more immortal than, like... Yeah. But she makes every... She's... She's just lovely. She's lovely. Two trashy divorces. 
handy. I know. Thanks, a life, Audrey. <laughs> a life elegantly lived. Audrey will say that elegance is the only beauty that never fades. And she has elegance in spades. I'm currently in pajamas, so I'm feeling a little... A little underdressed. I got a tiara in the other room. You want me to pull it out for My you? My extremely elegant cut-off sweatpants. Go ahead. Peter Bogdanovich <laughs> will call Audrey an iron butterfly. Mm. Legendary Hollywood costume designer Edith Head in her studio has this circle room. And there are 36 paneled mirrors. Each mirror is set a separate 10 degrees offset, right? So it makes a full circle. Edith Head will tell Trashy Divorces alum Nora Ephron that Audrey Hepburn is the only person who could stand in the circle of mirrors and look good in every single one. Yeah, that's not easy, I guess. Audrey is way more about the look, even though she will craft a really accessible look for a lot of people. She's remembered for a lot of things. Her film career, her humanitarian work, her elegance, her style. But we're here to talk about her trashy divorces. Audrey, born in Brussels. Oh, which I'm behind on a trashy thank you. Shannon, Hmm. your Smurf masks and mini batons were wonderful. Mm -hmm. Thank you, you trashy angel you. You are a dear. (laughs) Kind of an awesome place, Brussels. I approve of their chocolate and Smurf masks. Thanks, Shannon. You're awesome. Sorry. Audrey, Mm -hmm. born in Brussels, May 4th. She's a tourist gal in 1929. Dad is, well, I don't know. Let's talk about dad. Joseph Rustin. He's a British subject. He's born in Austria-Hungary. Old Joe was married before Audrey's mother to a Dutch heiress. That marriage does not last, but apparently Dutch heiresses are like Hollywood movie contracts in the early days are just laying around. So Papa Joe will divorce that Dutch heiress to marry another one in short order, who is Audrey's mother, Ella. Okay. Baroness Ella, I should say. Now, Ella, Audrey's mom herself, had an earlier marriage as well. She got married at 19 to this oil executive. They have two kids, but that marriage is over by 1925, leaving Papa Joe and Baroness Mama Ella to meet and fall in love and marry in 1926 in the Dutch East Indies. But not before what Papa Joe does, which is referred to as double barreling. I know. This is when you have a fancy last name and then you hyphenate another fancy last name into it to turn it into a fancier last name. Does he have four last names? No. He's he's Joe Rustin. He's Joseph Rustin. Okay. But Papa Joe believes that he is descended from James Hepburn, the third husband of Mary, Queen of Scots. Papa Joe is not descended from James Hepburn, but that actually doesn't stop him from making the family's new last name double-barreled Hepburn Rustin. Sounds a little more aristocratic. Baroness Ella, Mary's Papa Joe, everything's great. Here comes Audrey, May 1929. And for the first six years of her life, Audrey is happy. She's privileged She's learning five languages. The family has plenty of money. Everybody gets along. They travel everywhere with their dad's career. She is living with their older stepbrothers. Everybody's good. It's all good. But then in the early 1930s, Papa Joe is becoming pretty involved with the British Union of Fascists. Ooh. They just pop up now and then, don't they? Recruiting for them. He's fundraising for them. Yikes. I realize that it's because of this era that the word fascist itself has a negative connotation. And so, like, he was kind of moving into it blind, but still. Well, there's a what is described as a scene one night in 1935 in Brussels. Dad's out, packs up, moves out, heads back to London and will properly abandon his family for the rest of time. Wow. Dad's done. Dad will go back to London and get really deep into the, uh, how you say? The Fascist lifestyle. The buff. Yeah. Audrey will say that dad leaving is the most traumatic event of her life. She'll recall that she cried for days and days. She had worshipped her father 
and misses him terribly. Like, she is crushed. Mama Ella Baroness and Audrey always stick together, but Dad's out. Mom and Dad finally do divorce in 1939. So, follow-up here. Audrey is going to find her father in the 1960s through the Red Cross. And they reconnect, but they're never close, although Audrey does lend him financial support to the end of his life. Back to 10-year-old Audrey, 1939, because things are about to get even more terrible. Audrey goes to the Netherlands with Mama Baroness Mm -hmm. Ella, which Germany promptly invades, and it Mm -hmm. is five years of just terrible. The Nazi occupation will leave the area starving and war-torn, and even after D-Day, where conditions should be getting better, in her village they are not. The supply lines are cut off, so conditions worsen. Like, it is terrible. The happy, healthy Audrey, once upon a time, is going to suffer tremendously, physically, from this period in her life. She's severely malnourished. She'll develop anemia. She'll get respiratory problems. She'll be down to a weight of 88 pounds Mm. at her lowest. And I want to say she's 5'7". Jeez. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah, that's tough. Two things about this time. Audrey's sense of compassion really is developed. She is working with the resistance fighters. She's doing benefits. I mean, she's working with the allies the whole time. And there's this one Christmas that Audrey's like, we are literally out of food. There's like, she's a teenager, right? There's no food. There's no food for anyone living in the home. She's like, I'll spend Christmas asleep. You can't eat if you're asleep. So I'll just, and 10 potatoes show up on the doorstep that day. And she was like, it was the best gift that has ever happened. So that kind of compassion and kindness, Audrey really sort of develops here. The kindness that's shown to her and the community that she builds in that time in her life, she never forgets and will repay in spades and her later work in humanitarian endeavors with the United Nations Children's Fund. Anyway, also during this time, Audrey recalls that she told herself that if she makes it through this, she will never complain about anything again. And she sure doesn't. Like, she's just a lady full of grace always. It would have been very easy to have been destroyed by that period in her life. And she's not. She's refined. She's stronger from that period. Maybe not physically, but internally for sure. It forges her sword into something that's quite remarkable. After the war, Audrey's going to go to Amsterdam where she will, with mom, Right? The family's reunited. Not dad, but the rest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So she's going to resume her ballet training. Because dad's a British fascist. His dad's a British fascist. He's <laughs> no longer invited to the family reunions. Yeah. Now, Baroness Mama Ella is working as a cook and a housekeeper to support the family. Audrey's doing ballet. She will get a tiny film role, just like a little commercial woo thing as well as a ballet scholarship that happens in London, where she moves to. But the effects of the war, the time that she has spent away from ballet, the malnutrition that she has, her physical condition, will have Audrey hear the news from her teacher's professors that she is her dream of being a professional ballerina is not going to happen. Yeah, it. I mean, just... Professional dancers are so strong physically. And if, yeah, I mean, if you've gone through the war. So acting it is. I can Acting it is. <laughs> there's some chorus girl work. There's some theater reviews. There's some elocution lessons. She's working her way through the system. She's going to land a small role in a film called Monte Carlo, baby. <laughs> Which is naturally filmed in Monte, where Audrey Hepburn is going to meet... Colette, who is looking for the perfect person to play her character in her novella Gigi on Broadway. And guess who just perfectly fits the bill? Another fun spiderweb here. Colette's work, Gigi, has been adapted for the stage by one of our favorites around here, Anita Luz. Isn't that amazing? Yep. Spiderwebs. 
Okay, so things are taken off for Audrey. Let's get to some love stuff. There's an early engagement to a fellow named James Hansen in 1952. James Hansen is going to become Baron Hansen, but not until 1976 when he is knighted. Their romance is 25 years earlier than this. But James Hansen is an English conservative industrialist. Uh, cough, cough, corporate raider, okay, is what this dude is about. James and Audrey are engaged in 1952, and she is rushing from rehearsals on the set of Monte Carlo Baby to fittings for her dress designed by a very famous designer, which will remain unworn and auctioned off at some point in the future mm. because Audrey calls it off. She's going to write to Sir Felix Ulmer, who is her friend and elocution coach back from London, about the breakup. And she says, quote, It is with a heavy heart I am writing to tell you James Hansen and I are no longer engaged. I know there is little need to explain to you a gentleman of this profession. For a year I thought it possible to make our combined lives and careers work out. It is all very unhappy making, but I'm sure it is the only sensible decision. Because hmm. she knows then with her film career taking off, and a husband who's going to make Richard Gere and Pretty Woman look like a teddy bear. It is going to be difficult for them to lead a normal life, whatever that means. For Audrey, whatever that means means more movies. Okay. So we have 1953, Roman Holiday, her first major starring part in North America. And then there's 1954's Sabrina which will include a love affair with William Holden, Aries man. Now, William Holden, besides being 11 years her senior, is also married. Mm. Sparks fly, though. Little things. William Wyler, the director, who will direct Audrey numerous times. They just, I, there's an all things Audrey coming up. There's so much fun stuff we're going to talk about on Patreon. But again, stick to the focus. William Wyler, who is the director of Sabrina. Is the only one who doesn't know that these two are having a torrid love affair. Really? Mm -hmm. Everybody else on the set is like, whoa, have you seen the torrid love affair that uh, wow. Bill Holden's having with Audrey? Now, hold on. Humphrey Bogart is also in the film. Sabrina, the premise, Audrey Hepburn is the young ingenue who's lived on the family estate. And William Holden and Humphrey Bogart are like brothers. Humphrey Bogart is not happy. <laughs> in this entire film, and he looks it. So in a similar move to Laurence Olivier wanting Vivian Lee to be in Rebecca, and Vivian Lee doesn't get Rebecca, and it goes to Joan Fontaine instead, so Laurence Olivier acts like an ass the whole time. Humphrey Bogart wants his wife, Lauren Bacall, who mm. we've mentioned on The Swans back this past month. Humphrey wants Lauren in that role but she's and not is not so humphrey's pissy he's kind of insufferable during the whole movie but william holden on the other hand is smitten kitten he says before i even met her i had a crush on her and after i met her just a day later i felt as if we were old friends and i was rather fiercely protective of her although not in a possessive way holden will call her the love of his life now him already having a wife is Tiny problem. Tiny problem. But he wants to marry Audrey. Oh, my God. Now, William Holden is already really misusing alcohol at this point. But Audrey loves him. She's all for it. She wants to marry him and have all of his babies. But there is even a smaller, more tinier cut of a complication is that William Holden has had a vasectomy. Oh. And when this news is revealed, Audrey will break off the relationship. Filming is over as well. So their relationship kind of fizzles out. The affair's done. I say that with a question mark because put a post-it note on it. Because there's a new man on the scene. Mel Ferrer is going to be Audrey's first husband. He's an actor. He's a director. He's a Virgo man. August 27th, 1917. He is 15 years Audrey's senior. He has, going for him, four kids Two ex-wives and three divorces under his belt. So he's uh, an accomplished. <laughs> I find it fascinating when people marry person one, 
divorce, marry person two, divorce, and then go back and marry person one again. Right. That's what Mel has done. The mind reels. Okay. Point of clarification here for all of my Hollywood trash pandas. None of the wives that Mel Ferrer is going to have over the course of his lifetime, which is in total five, is Rosemary Clooney. Her (laughs) husband is Jose Ferrer. Okay. No relation to Mel. Okay. Okay. This isn't a double-barreled, oh, we're really related to Mary Queen. No, they're not related. So Rosemary Clooney's coming up in her own special jam. Not even crossed my mind. Okay. But there are people right now who are like, ooh, was he married to Rosemary? Right. You're saying no. Jose and Mel. Not related. Two different Ferrers. Okay. (laughs) Unconnected Ferrers. Unconnected. So there is a party for the British opening of Roman Holiday. And let's line up the Trashy Divorces Depot. Audrey meets Mel. There are sparks. They're going to star the following year together on Broadway in a play called Ondine, where the love affair really takes off. And Audrey's totally smitten kitten over Mel. She thinks he's so dreamy and the ultimate. And most everybody else in Hollywood is thinking that he's terrible for her. He is working to stage manage her and he is going to come in and kill whatever potential of a career that she has. But Audrey adores him and she doesn't care and he's so dreamy. So one night in a little bit of a turn of the screw, she's hanging out with William Holden and his wife where she announces her engagement to Mel. She's thrilled about it. I think William Holden is not quite Mm -hmm. so thrilled. Anyway, so it is on September 25th, 1954. Audrey and Mel are married in a small, intimate ceremony in Switzerland. Easy peasy, just like that. No press, no fuss, no muss. Audrey will say a year after the wedding, very dreamily, it's the completion of everything you've ever wanted or hoped for. (laughs) Like, she's happy. Audrey and Mel are going to star together in 1955's War and Peace. So professionally, they're doing great. But Audrey really wants to become a mother. That's why she didn't go for William Holden. Like, that's her dream. Audrey's going to experience a lot of loss here. Her first miscarriage happens in 1955. Her second occurs in 1959. This happens when she falls from a horse while Mm. filming in a movie called The Unforgiven. Her first child is born in July of 1960. And when she's pregnant this time, she takes a year off yeah. from everything. I would she too. She puts that is- herself mm-hmm. in a little bubble for a year to ensure the safety of that child. Sure. And on the surface, right, everything looks terrific for the happy family. Big stars, young child, wonderful marriage, But this is only the cover story of the magazine you're seeing because Mel is jealous. He's controlling and he's a serial adulterer. So film director Alan Lunt will say that Ferrer used Audrey's crush on him to rule her with an iron fist. Mel's sleeping around. Lots of plenty. He'll have uh, girlfriends on the side. But Audrey's like, hey, we're in this marriage and we have a son and I'm a child of divorce and I'm determined to make this work. I know how my parents' divorce impacted me. I do not want my son to have that same legacy. By 1963, oh, good Lord, Audrey's starring in a little movie called Paris When It Sizzles, (laughs) co-starring William Holden, who comes on back. And this is 1963 they're filming. And... He has this quote, I don't have it written down, but he does have this quote about arriving in Paris and hearing his footsteps echo through the terminal and knowing that he has to face Audrey. I've got to face her. It's like eight or ten years since they were a thing, right? Ten years since they were a thing. It's a real ripeness that's happened. happily married, Mm -hmm. and he has never, ever gotten over her. At this point... He really, really is misusing alcohol. She refuses his advances. Like, she is. She's, I'm I'm married. I have a child. Yeah. I am not interested in this. Mm -hmm. But a fun little fact here about William as a follow-up, he will finally divorce the wife that he's still married to while filming Paris when it sizzles. Jeez. Okay. But he'll finally divorce her in 1971 and then have a relationship 
to the end of his life in 1981 with Stephanie Powers, who was RJ's co-star in Heart to Heart. Sure. That we've talked about before. Robert Wagner. Yes. Spiderweb. (laughs) Mel and Audrey going bad. No one's happy. Audrey's not happy. Baroness Mama Ella is especially not happy. (laughs) There is a set of letters that Audrey wrote to that same Sir Felix, her elocutionist, Mm -hmm. that were auctioned off a number of years ago. But in one of those, Baroness Mama is quoted, (laughs) Ella calls Mel a frog-faced delinquent with the spindly legs and will accuse Mel, who is married five times over his life, of causing sufficient havoc to last a long time. (laughs) I believe that Audrey is rather sick of the neurotic side to him. Hmm. And friends, Audrey was. His philandering, and well, hers kind of too, because although she doesn't take up with William Holden again, by 1966, the marriage between Audrey and Mel is kind of over. Audrey's going to have an affair with her co-star, in Two for the Road, Albert Finney. And this isn't a hot and heavy thing. It's just kind of a fling thing that she's having to make her feel good again after the crap that Mel is putting her through. There are two more miscarriages that happen in this marriage, one in 1965, one in 1967. But by the late 60s, it's over and done. Like they divorce officially in 1968. Mel and Audrey will only speak to each other twice. After their divorce throughout their lives. And one of those times is at her death. Like as she's dying. So like they, so he was not into co-parenting with her or whatever? No. No. Well, yeah, no. No. Okay. Okay. But don't worry about Audrey because she's going to have a marvelous time with that marriage out of the way. And she's going to date lots of men. Some with European titles. She'll date a famous bullfighter. Some actors. And then she's invited on a Mediterranean cruise where she's going to meet hubby number two, Andrea Dotti. He's an Italian psychiatrist. And they depart from the yacht and they will fall hopelessly in love while visiting the Greek ruins. <laughs> I mean, it's quite a backdrop I if you can get yeah, it. Yeah, I, I would think. Audrey and Andrea marry in January 1969. And again, motherhood is Audrey's focus here. She's like, I'm going to be an Italian housewife. They end up having one child, born in 1970. But Andrea, March 18th in that Pisces Aries cusp, is about a decade younger than Audrey. And he really likes that he has an Italian housewife at home with his baby and doing hearth and home and stuff, which makes it fine for him to go out And have a bunch of girlfriends and get photographed in the press that Audrey's using to line the bird cages with in the Italian domicile. It's a lot like uh, Rossellini. Yeah. She's mad. Yeah. She's mad. I mean, her husband is gallivanting all around town with the ladies, like, getting photographed in the press and you're barefoot at home. She's mad. Mm -hmm. Marriage is going to last 13 years because Audrey doesn't want to disappoint her kid. They're staying together for the sake of the kid. Audrey says, I hung on to both marriages very hard as long as I could for the children's sake and out of respect for marriage. But I just couldn't manage that. I would not be happy with you appearing in the East Atlanta Village Press with all your honeys. Um, That would be Inman. I I know. I'm very discreet about all that. So... Audrey. My honeys are all cats. Yes. Yeah, your honeys are all cats. <laughs> Audrey officially is divorced from marriage number two in 1982. They are a little, uh, Audrey and Andrea are a little bit more amicable in the post divorce relations. They stay in touch ish a little bit more than she and Mel do, not quite the silence. But let's back up the trashy divorces train a little bit here back to 1980. Because in 1980, Audrey is introduced to a handsome Dutch businessman, and his name is Robert Wolders. He's a Libra man, September 26th, 1936. He's just a few years younger than Audrey. In 1980, Robert is grieving the death of his wife, legendary actress Merle Oberon, 
who has passed away the year before in 1979. Merle Oberon is a fascinating character. She has a few divorces in her story as well. She's on my list too. Spiderwebs, I got you. Anyway, Audrey in 1980 is still married to hubby number two, technically. But the marriage is done after the photos of the young girls and the husband carousing on the daily. So she meets Robert and Sparks fly. And he wants to ask her out. So he takes his shot. And she's like, I can't. I have a night shoot. I'm, I'm not available. And oh, wow, Robert's crushed. He's like, shot my shot. Game over. But Audrey is going to call Robert the next day and ask him out for a drink which turns into dinner, which turns into a 13-year love affair that will last the rest of her life. Good. Oh my God, I love this story. Um, Not immediately. Like, there's the falling in love part and the hours on the phone with each other and she has to end her marriage and she'll talk to hubby number two, Andrea, about the love affair. She tells him about it. I found someone new and Robert Wolder says that he took the news great. And we'll tell Audrey that she looks very beautiful. You must be in love. And her answer is, I am. And they are. They never marry, but they're devoted to one another. They view themselves as a bonded pair. And this is the way that they'll remain. There's no need to go to the altar again. It's their loyalty that sort of binds them in this (sighs) awesome relationship. Audrey will be quoted saying she found the one. He is solid in every way. I trust his love. I never feel I'm losing it. That's amazing. Yeah, I would say after being controlled by the first husband and then humiliated by the second, maybe mm-hmm. maybe the marriage part is quite optional. Oh, Robert adores her. In 1988, Audrey will become the special ambassador for the United Children's Nation Fund, the United Nations Children's Fund, <laughs> And continue that work along with her love bubble with Robert until her death, January 20th, 1993, at the age of 63. Hmm, That's quite young. It is. Robert Wolders will attend along with her children and even her two ex-husbands, Mel and Andrea. Hmm. I don't feel right about assigning Audrey any trash can. (laughs) She's far too graceful. If they are, they're outside Tiffany's in the morning, but... Mel and Andrea, y'all get all the trash cans. Like, sorry, I have a soft spot for Audrey Hepburn. Oh, sure. A sure. thousand ways. She may get halos. I mean, halos seem appropriate. She's delightful. Just elegance and style and full of grace and just a remarkable woman. Remarkable woman. It sounds like she balanced her life well, too. You know, like you said how many movies she had been in it. It's a very small number compared to her fame. So it sounds like she was really, she took parts she wanted to be in and then lived her life in between. Well, funny that you mentioned that one story I found really compelling in this. Audrey reads the diary of Anne Frank as soon as it's published. And she really is super emotionally impacted by this and because she was living a similar sort of existence and Otto Frank Anne's father really wants Audrey to play Anne in that movie and Audrey listening to her inner intuition does not accept the role like Otto Frank comes to visit her Mm -hmm. to say please I really want you in this and Audrey said I'm afraid if I do that role it will kill me Mm. Like, so her intuition, like, she's always kind of making the right move at the right time. Uh, She does not take that role. But she's a fascinating lady. If you need more Audrey Hepburn, y'all, this week, (laughs) we have our Breakfast at Tiffany's Book Club. Uh, All Things Audrey is coming to you on Tuesday. We're going to talk about Breakfast at Tiffany's, the film. We're going to talk about Audrey's collaboration and partnership with Givenchy. We're going to talk some trashy fashion. And that only gets us to Tuesday night, where we have the first of two live Zoom sessions for our breakfast at Tiffany's Book Club. First is Tuesday night. The second is next Sunday. So two chances to get in on that. You can find info for that there on patreon.com slash trashy divorces. 
We'll have our Monday tidbits and our Wednesday spiderwebs and Thursday nightcap chat as well. I did a content count over on Patreon. You want to guess at how many episodes are over there? I'm scared to, to be honest. 535. Okay. Whoa. Yeah. So join us over there. That's if you ever need extra trash candy, that is the place to go. Assortment of material. You can also check out some free episodes at bit.ly slash trash candy quarantine, the shortest short link in history. <laughs> we need to actually recycle and get some new ones up for February. So we'll be sure to do that tomorrow as well. Send us in your trashy divorces, your funny stories, trashy divorces at gmail.com or phone it in at 404-594-3658. That is the trashy hotline. And again, thank you for your patience. I am midway through the story I was going to be telling this week. So we're going to slot that in next week or the week after. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how I compare with it. It's going to be fun. Thanks, y'all, for being awesome and listening and tuning in and all your trashy love and being so accommodating, letting us make a slight shift today. We can't wait to see you back next week for more trashy fun. In the meantime, keep those hands clean. Wash the paws. So much paw washing. Double mask. Mask up and double mask if you can. Keep those uh, hearts. Just like take your heart out and dip it in trash and then put it back in. <laughs> That's completely sanitary, by the way. And uh, and just let that be your guide. Supremely trashy. Let your trashy heart guide you. Keep it so trashy until we see you next Sunday. Thanks, friends. Bye. Bye. <laughs> and thanks to you for listening. Trashy Divorces is a Hemlock Creatives production created and produced right here in Atlanta, Georgia by us, Stacy and Alicia with a little research and writing help from the brilliant Melissa O. Our art is by Sydney V. Smith. That's Sydney V. Smith at carbonmade.com. And our music is used with permission of Ratsy. Check her out at Ratsy's store on Instagram. And definitely drop into Ratsy's store anytime you're in Oberlin, Ohio. You can contact us at trashydivorces at gmail.com or find us on the World Wide Web at trashydivorces.com. If you need more trash candy in your life, our Patreon community includes some of the very best humans around and thousands of hours of bonus content at every level of support. Join the fun at patreon.com slash trashydivorces. Interested in some Trashy Divorces swag? Check out our merch shop and Trash Panda Enthusiasm Society at bit.ly slash trashy gear. Want to advertise with us? Reach out to sales at advertisecast.com for more information. And last but not least, come play with us on social media. I keep most of our Trashy Divorces Instagram hopping. Stacy and I share it up over on Facebook, including our Trashy Divorces podcast discussion group. Come join us over there and thanks again everybody for listening. Keep it trashy y'all.